0: Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Kansen. sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Konzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer
1: Kansen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we're going to do kind of a follow up on the last broadcast. The first, that broadcast was on healing from uh, emotional and relational uh, and sexual betrayals in marriage. And today I'm going to go more into sexual addiction itself. Pornography is. Um, Something that really has an impact on marriages, the level of betrayal and how to work through that betrayal is high. So you can go back and listen to that. You can go find it on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, the podcast version, and listen to last week's on healing from those betrayals. Today, I'm just going to go more into what exactly is sexual addiction and then specifically how does it affect the couple and their sexual relationship And again, a little bit more on how to recover from those challenges. So let's just dive in. All right, so over, the sexual addiction diagnosis is actually not in the Diagnostic Manual for Mental Health, the DSM, but it is in the literature and there are some criteria on what would be considered an actual diagnosis for addiction. The challenge is, for many people, the word addiction is problematic all by itself. That, okay, I have an issue with pornography. I have a hard time stopping doing it. I know it's really hurt my, but I wouldn't say I have an addiction. Whether you use that word or not to describe yourself or someone that you care about, I'm going to use it just because that's what, in the literature, I don't, I don't actually use it with clients very much. I let them use the terms that they want to use to describe the challenges that they're having. They're having. I'm going to use it today just because that is the term that's most commonly used out there and it just makes it a little simpler as far as communication. But I do just want to say, for many, that word is not something that they use for themselves. So with that said, what's typically considered an addiction to... Sexual issues, especially pornography, would be if someone is just spending a really great excessive amount of time consuming it, several hours a day, where either they're consuming sexual pornography or they're consumed by sexual fantasies and sexual urges, where it is on their mind through the day. Also, you'll have where there's a repetitive engaging in these fantasies and these urges in response to like when their mood is low. It's what you call dysphoric mood. In other words, not a positive mood. So either anxiety, sadness, anxiety is a big one, depression, where the use of these sexual behaviors, the purpose of using them is to... Uh, manage through, work through, have an easier day through the level of anxiety that someone is feeling. So when sexual practices are used to monitor mood, that's one of the criteria that's used for a diagnosis. Also, if that repetitive use is a problem, and so the person tries to control it and tries to stop it. And they have repetitive times where they've tried to stop and they've tried to stop and they've tried to stop, and, to stop, and then they keep using. That's one of the criteria for a diagnose, diagnosis. And then even when the behavior causes risks to their health, they someone keeps doing it. In other words, health meaning physical health, mental health, relational health. So if someone continues to use even when it's causing problems to their health. So these are some of the markers of sexual addiction. I share that here just so that you may wonder, do I have a problem? So just ask yourself some simple things. Do I have a problem stopping? Is it causing problems in my relationships? Am I using a bit of time to do it? And so on. It's very similar to any kind of, any other kind of addiction. So there, there's different behaviors that would fall under sexual addiction, compulsive masturbation being one, the use of pornography and cyber sex, sexual behavior even with consenting adults. In other words, somebody that goes from sexual relationship to sexual relationship, getting involved on sex online, looking at videos, communicating with people over the Internet sexually and so on. Telephone sex, so that would be t- calling and talking to people over the phone sexually. And then going to different venues and clubs where adult entertainment, in other words, sexual entertainment is involved. So these are some of the common behaviors when I do a an assessment in my office. These are the things I check to see how much someone's involved in these different things. Specifically with cyber sex, so that would be the use of The interaction, the sexual interaction with others that's done on the Internet. So that's either through discussion groups or looking at materials on the Internet. So that's what cybersex means. And so sometimes what people do is they access pornography online or they listen to things or they watch video or they're texting or they're in a chat room. So it can be in that manner. It's also where individuals will look at pictures or watch video while engaging in masturbation or doing that live with another person. And there's all kinds of different software that's used in doing this. I I have this awareness, even as I'm sharing these things, that for some of you, just my talking about this can be bringing up a lot, either for yourself because it might cause you to remember your own challenges in your past, or it may be bringing up a lot of feelings about things you're engaged in now, or your partner might be engaged in these things or was engaged in these things, and it brings up a lot of pain. So be aware, if if you're already feeling a bit distressed just listening this far into this broadcast, you may need to take a break. Um, you may need to go and breathe. You may need to go and pray. You may need to take a walk and come back and listen later. It'll be on my, uh, my website because these topics are very difficult. When you look at what the scriptures teach, Paul mentions that the body is not made for sexual immorality. I mentioned that in the previous broadcast. So it's out of, I believe, Corinthians. And these, these uh, different behaviors that I'm bringing up right now, They are not intended for the life that God gives us. They cause lots of distress, lots of problems in families and in marriages. So I find myself taking a big, deep breath, even as I'm reading through this and talking through this with you today. Take a big breath. Take a break if you need to, and then maybe come back and listen more, or you may need to get some support before you and continue listening. So we're going to keep talking about that challenge. Okay, so what are some of the things that are involved in being in, in, in pursuing sexual behaviors, either online or in other venues where it becomes an, an addiction? One of the pieces that comes up is that the use of sexuality when it is an addiction, especially when it's inv- involving cyber sex, is when it becomes a daily integral part of somebody's Life. This, These things that I'm going to share with you are straight out of Carnes' work, C-A-R-N-E-S. He, uh, Patrick Carnes is the uh, kind of preeminent author on sexual addiction. You can read his book, Out of the Shadows. And so he talks about that it's definitely problematic when these behaviors become integral to someone's day, when they are really difficult to decline doing them. So he calls that imposing. They impose on your life. He also talks about how involvement in these behaviors creates some euphoria, um, excitement, and so on, euphoric feelings. That's actually why people begin to use it when they're in a dysphoric state. So they're depressed, they're anxious, so they're in a negative mood state. And so they'll utilize addictive behaviors, whether it's sexual addiction or food addiction or Uh, gambling, or drugs and alcohol, they'll use those things to give them a sense of euphoria, to lift them out of that negative negative emotional state. And so uh, Karn's word for that is intoxicating. So cyber sex and sexual addiction can be intoxicating. And also, it's an isolating addiction. So generally, it's done privately. It's done, you know, in someone's home or on their devices that they have, where Clearly, things become problematic is when people start utilizing their work devices, and then it runs into possible loss of job and even into possible legal involvement. So, but initially, initially, all these sexual addiction behaviors tend to be isolating behaviors. What does happen is that people are often or sometimes switching out this kind of pseudo intimacy. Because they don't have intimacy, or because they're wanting intimacy, or they don't know how to have intimacy, so they go to these behaviors, because intimacy is maybe stress-inducing and anxiety-producing. And so, people will engage in sexual addiction in order to really have some interaction around this area. And then the other big reason why use happens, why people develop compulsive sexual behaviors is because it's, especially on online and with cyber sex, is because it doesn't cost much. You know, it's a pretty inexpensive, low cost way to attain some kind of gratification. And so... All of these reasons make it super challenging to say no to these, the pulls of using cyber sex and internet usage. So let me tell you a little bit more of what you'll see. You may be asking this for yourself, you're listening to this for yourself or for someone that you care about. Some of the typical things that go along with a sexual addiction or compulsion are that lack of self-control, even when there's adverse consequences. Um, that, it, that the using brings a sense of well-being. Uh, people will say they feel relaxed after they engage in any addictive behavior. So this can be a food addiction. But in, today we're talking about sexual addiction. And often what you'll find is that people are doing it more and more. So that starts out with a great amount of time. But then it's what you would call tolerance in the drug and alcohol addictions, where somebody has to keep using and keep using more and more in order to get that sense of euphoria. So you'll see an increasing um, amount of time. And then it leads to, or sometimes it started by, a neglect of Intimate relationships. So it starts affecting the marital relationship, it starts affecting the sexual relationship with their spouse. And then of course it's it can begin affecting friends and family. Usually the person involved in sexual addiction experiences a lot of guilt, um, feelings of emptiness, high levels of distress, a lot of irritability when they can't pursue those activities. So that would be what you would call kind of withdrawal symptoms. So pay attention to that piece. The emotional piece that's wrapped around any type of addiction is highly involved with sexual addiction. And then of course, as use continues, often people will engage in lying behaviors, they'll cover up to family, try to cover up their use, and so on. And they find themselves constantly thinking, planning on how to get the time and how to get the space to pursue what they want to do, to get on the computer and pursue pornography, and that when they can't, it causes a lot of anxiety. Oftentimes, when people are involved in pornographic behaviors and cyber sex, they are also involved in some ritualistic behaviors on how they set up the situation in order to engage in those behaviors. So, That is a definition of exactly what sexual addiction is. I'm going to just mention to you and take a short break from the topic and just explain what you're listening to and where you can get more support and where you can listen to more. So I am here in San Diego, but you can actually go on my website and you can listen to them from anywhere. And that is The Art of Intimate Marriage. Also on the website, you'll find if you want to contribute financially, we are looking for sponsors. If they want to send us to uh, other parts of California or to other days of the week, your contributions can help make that happen. Also, you can go and pick up my book, The Art of Intimate Marriage. You can find it on Amazon. It's also linked on my webpage, The Art of Intimate Marriage. And then... You, this may be bringing up all kinds of questions. Whenever I start talking about sexual addiction, it brings up lots of questions. You may have them. Go ahead. Send me an email at jenniferkonsen at yahoo.com. My name, Jennifer, and then K-O-N-Z-E-N. No spaces, no dots, no dashes. Just jenniferkonsen at yahoo. Send it to me, and I will bring up, and I do include those the answers to those questions on the broadcasts. You can listen to pre- all the previous broadcasts on my website as well. Okay, let's get back to our topic. One of the things that really comes up for those dealing with sexual addiction is the impact that it has on someone spiritually, on themselves, on their own mental health and how they view themselves, on the relationship, on the marital relationship, and then on the family. Any involvement in sexually addictive behaviors Hurts the person, hurts many others. So the person, so this is the individual involved in addiction, often has a very negative view of themselves, um, and it's hard for a, a, a partner to to pay attention to that because the their sexual behaviors, their pornography is, is hurting their spouse, and so the spouse is having a really hard time giving any credence to that they might have... Their, own, their their partner who's using pornography has their own mental health challenges, spiritual problems, and a negative view of themselves. But it is a big part of treatment for sexual addiction, is treating the low self-esteem, the low self-image that's attached to any kind of addiction. Also, often people involved, especially in sexual addiction, the level of shame is so high that it's... The belief that nobody can love me. I have screwed up so much. Nobody could ever want to be with me. My my spouse will never forgive me, so on. And they shouldn't ever because I am, you know, the things I've done are unforgivable. So the view of self, the view of, you know, I, I don't deserve is high. And the belief that, you know, no matter what happens, what I actually need will never get met. And they've already learned that the pornography isn't get m- meeting that need. And then lastly, one of the big core beliefs that happens for the individual is that sex is the most important need in their life. So the predominance, the importance of sex, which it is important, definitely biblically, it's important. However, the ultimate vital importance, sex is the most important thing, is often what Individuals express to me they, that they, once they start dealing with their addiction, they start realizing, "Wow, it became the number one important thing for my life." And so, so these are some of the things that are going on for the individual, for couples and families. So this is spouses and family members. There's there's also a lot of ways that it's affecting them women who are married to men involved in pornography they've done a lot of research specifically on that women do get involved in pornography it's the percentage is is quite different the number of uh, the percentage of women involved in pornography i'm i'm throwing this number out there it's somewhere in the 20s and 30s for men it's more in the 70s 80s 90s so there's a definite gap in how much it's used. I am going to speak to the fact that the majority of use does happen where it's the husband involved in pornography and the wife feeling very betrayed. And so women will describe that it feels like a um, an affair. My husband had an affair. It feels like infidelity. It's that kind of betrayal. And men will say, no, no, I was, no, it's not about you, it's not about you. It's, you know, there will be lots of reasons for why, no, it's not an affair. And, uh, you know, she uses that language of it's an affair, and that's really hard because I didn't actually have an affair. That kind of thinking, I can tell you right now, never helps. To try to say, but it's not an affair, I didn't actually get with anybody doesn't help the healing in the couple because the reality is for the woman she's feeling there's somebody else in my bed and i'm going to read some quotes from some of the women involved um, in some studies where they've they've you know just studied the words of these women and what they're think, feeling and thinking uh when there's their partner there has been involved in pornography. About 68% of couples that where one or one of them is involved in pornography, about 68% that their frequency of sex went down dramatically. So that's a very, com- that I mean, that's a number from research, but that's pretty common to what walks into my office. So there's a l- real decrease in intimacy and relational sex that's occurring. And then other research studies have shown that 70% of those individuals who had children, when, the, when one of the parents had a sexual addiction, uh, 37% ended in divorce or were separated because of the addiction. So it affects family life, it affects children. Wives, another research study, wives married to men with sexual addiction were more likely to experience abuse in their relationship, um, abandonment in the relationship, higher level of crises in their lives, and depression. So a big impact on the whole family when sexual addiction is involved. So when I'm working with couples, some of the biggest things I'm doing is, number one, Labeling, describing, making sure people understand what sexual addiction is and the impact it has. Basically validating the damage that the spouse is seeing in their marital and family life. And then I'm working with the couple on how to rebuild their couple's relationship. Because often when this happens, when these kinds of betrayals happen... Uh, relationships are looking at divorcing, communication gets closed down, conflict resolution is really poor, there's a lot of criticizing on both parts, high levels of blame on both parts, and then there's a lot of protection going on. There's a hiding of the self. There's not a lot of self-disclosure because it feels too dangerous. So often when couples come in, this is where they're at. Their conflict's high, their disconnection is high. And many will say... Well, the only uh, way to fix this is to disengage and to divorce. Well, my job is basically to see if couples want to stay married, how can they? How can they heal? How can they end up with even a stronger marriage on the other end? And so, you know, it's it's like Jesus when <clears throat> when the disciples said, you know, hey, that fig tree's not bearing fruit, should we just get rid of it? And he's like, well, fertilize it and cultivate it. Two different stories on that one, but fertilize it, cultivate it. So that's kind of my job. When couples come in, I'm there to expose what the issue is and then help couples to grow and reconnect, working through the pain, to come on the other side with a new connection. Often, one of the biggest things to do is start rebuilding trust, because trust, when people are involved in pornographic addiction, cyber sex of any kind, trust has been broken. Uh, You know, it reminds me of Psalm 55. I mentioned this last um, broadcast. This is David, and he says, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. But it is you, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. So this when I when couples read this scripture it's very helpful for the spouse the the person who's been using who's been involved in addiction to realize that this is what it's like for their partner that the person they trusted that that would be one thing if an enemy hurt them in this way but this is their partner that they love that has that they once enjoyed sweet fellowship with that is now insulting them and has now betrayed them. So it is a lot of rebuilding of trust. If you look at Titus 2 verse 10, what that says is those who are, you know, changing things in their lives, they should show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attracted, attractive. Those involved in recovery from addiction do have to show that they can be trusted. I often have the person who's been involved in addiction usually very frustrated that their spouse is expecting x, y, and z. But really, in order to build trust back, that does have to happen. Now, the partner has to really work on their own part because maybe they're demanding and yelling and, you know, maybe their own issues are coming up. So, Today, I'm really focused on the individual involved in addiction, but there is another party there and they have a part in that process of recovery. So how you approach your spouse when you're feeling like they're not building trust is is vital. Go get help, go get support. Proverbs 13 verse 17 says, a trustworthy envoy brings healing. So those of you who are in recovery from sexual addiction, There are certain things you have to engage in in order to build trust, and that is getting the support that you need, having somebody that's either a sponsor or a mentor, getting involved in a group support, being open with your spouse, putting all kinds of guards around all of your your devices. These kinds of things build trust, and it's one of the first things that I work on for couples to help them get to a point of overcoming betrayal and coming on the other side to a new connection. So remember, there can be healing. We can talk a little bit more about that. I I did say earlier I was going to read to you some quotes from some of the research. We're going to have to do that at another time. But remember this. There are ways to have healing conversations. Go back and listen to the previous broadcast. I'll be talking about this again in the future. But remember, there are ways to have healing conversations when you're in the midst of recovery for sexual addiction. This is Dr. Jennifer Kunzen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Until next time.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now let's be real, this is not a typical radio program and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Konzin to address here on air, email her at jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com, Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kansens Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.